We are concluding. We're finishing our series design, um, the heavenly concept that is our life. And that's what we've been talking about. That your life before the foundations of the world, before you ever existed, before you were born in 2009 or whenever you were born. Gosh, it seemed, it's just ridiculous to me. Like, I'm sorry. I'm so old, but I'm just like, I look at some of the birth dates for like retreat and I'm like, no, that can't be real. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Love you guys. He's like, that's not funny. That's my life. That was the year I was born. It is what it is. Um, all right, whatever. I love you. Let's move on. Um, we're finishing this series, and we're talking about our life being designed by God before we were ever born. And we're learning not only the fact that our life was designed by God, but how to experience the plans and the purposes that God has for us. And so we started by talking about how in order to understand and live in God's specific will for our life, we have to be living in his general will. So we live in his general will to unlock his specific will. We talked about uh, the idea of staying on target. The idea is long obedience in the same direction, that we don't want this to just be a phase that we go through, but something that we walk in our whole life. And then last week, we talked about how we're supposed to take off the things that don't belong and put on the things that do. That there's things in our Christian walk that have to come off, and there's things that have to come on. And tonight we're going to conclude with what God wants you to do with your life. All right? This is what we're going to conclude with. What God wants you to do with your life. Which I think is a big topic, right? Like I'm swinging for the fences right here. This is like all or nothing. We're going to talk about what God wants to do for your life. And I've titled this message, Do Whatever You Want. Do whatever you want. All right, now don't check out right here. Okay, we're going somewhere with this. Okay, so God's will for your life is not do whatever you want, but it'll make sense by the end, all right? But you have to stay with me. Like, if you're like, all right, that was enough for me. Time to open up Snapchat. Like, no, please stay engaged. All right, Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12, it says this. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So God, we ask once again that you would speak to us through your word, open up our hearts, soften uh, our hearts to hear and to receive what you want to say. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I was speaking with, um, a couple weeks ago, Skylar, who does the lights, and Brianna, where's Brianna at, who sings on the worship team, and uh, a few weeks ago, they said they went to a smash room, right? Is that what it's called? Or a rage room? Have you guys heard of these? Um, So basically what it is, is they call it like a rage therapy or smash therapy, and you go to these rooms, and you get, like, goggles and a, and a mask or something like that, and then you get, like, hammers and, like, sledgehammers and, like, all these types of things, and then you go into a room, and there's TVs, there's, like, fine china, there's, like, all this stuff, and you just get to destroy 
everything that's in that room. And there's some sort of relief, right, and release from being able to break stuff that doesn't belong to you and just smash it until you can't smash things anymore. Um, And it's kind of nice. Like, that seems awesome. Um, But let me tell you something about the smash room. If you take that same philosophy of smashing TVs and fine china and things like that to your living room or your kitchen, your parents will kill you. Right? Like, if you're like, my living room is now the smash room, and you just destroy everything in your living room, your parents will literally murder you. And so one place that is great, right? The smash room, that's awesome. The rage room, perfect. At your house, not so great. See what I'm saying? That there's a, there's a context, there's a setting where that behavior is acceptable, and there's a setting where that behavior is not acceptable. This is basically what we're being told in Ephesians chapter 3. When it comes to God's purpose for your life and what you were designed to do, God gives you complete freedom to do what you want when it's in the setting that God wants you in. All right? So God gives us, as his followers, complete freedom to do what we want when it's in the setting that God wants us in. So the question then is, how do we know that what we're doing and wanting to do is what God wants us to do? Okay, because all of us have desires and ambition and dreams and goals and ideas. And so how do we know with what we want to do is what God wants us to be doing? Because what we don't want with our life is for us to be in the wrong setting, behaving in the wrong way. You don't want your life, like God has a perfectly designed rage room for your life, and you are behaving in a way, in a different context that makes that behavior unacceptable. And God has a setting and a place and a desire and a design for your life. So how do we know what we desire is what God desires for us to do? And that is the one, one of the big questions we ask, whether it's in relationships or colleges or careers or sports or anything. That, how do we know that what I want to do is what God wants me to do? Because that's, that's one of the big sort of frictions that we find as we walk with God. Because all of you have, you have thoughts, right? You have goals. You have, I see myself doing this. Or for some of us, you're like, I don't know what I see myself doing. And so how can we figure out that where we're going and what we're doing is actually lined up or aligned with what God wants us to be doing? And so Paul, the apostle who writes this book, tells us some ways that we can understand what we should be doing and how we can know that what we're doing is what God wants us to be doing. You're tracking with me. This is making sense. Good so far. Good illustration. You liked it? The rage room? Okay, cool. Thank you. (laughs) All right, first point, the first way we know that what we're doing is what God wants us to be doing is because, number one, it's unto God. It's unto God. That's what that verse, and this is where we're sort of camping out in verse 17. It says, and whatever you do, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. He tells us, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. In other words, do it as an act of service and worship unto God. So the question then with the decisions that you make and the direction that you go and the purpose of your life, does it, uh, is it 
for God. Is your life, is your existence, is your decisions, is your dreams and ambitions, is it for God? Is it unto God? We could break it down three ways. Does it bless God, glorify God, and represent God? Let me say it again. Does it bless God, glorify God, and represent God? Let me break that down for us. Blessing God, what I mean by that is does your life privately between you and God, does it draw you close to him and does it strengthen your relationship with him? Does, does your ambitions, dreams, decisions, actions, does it draw you close to God and does it strengthen your relationship with God? In your private life, when nobody's looking, does your life and your decisions and your actions, does it bless God? Does it draw you in closer relationship with him? And does it stir something in you to know him and to walk with him? And so your life, whatever you do, the decisions you make, your actions, your careers, your goals, whatever it is, does it draw you closer in relationship with him? And does it stir something in you to walk with him? Secondly, does it glorify God? This is more publicly. Does it in some way or another point to God? Your actions, your decisions, your careers, your colleges, your sports, does it in some way point people or point at least attention to God? Now, I don't mean everything we do, we have to just say, like, we can't say thank you or we can't, or like somebody gives you like an attaboy or something like that and you get super weird. You're like, oh, it's not me, it was God. And you're like kind of awkward and uncomfortable. That's not what I'm saying. Like, I know people like that that just can't take a compliment and it's really uncomfortable for everybody. You're just like, just like, thanks, man, and walk away. Like, it's super simple. Um, I'm not saying you have to be weird about it, but your life and the decisions that you make, does it in some way or another point to God? Does it glorify God? Does it bring God glory? Does it bless him privately? Does it glorify him publicly? And then thirdly, does it represent God? Through your actions and emotions and decisions, does it carry the name of Christ well? So represent him. We talked about this already in the series, that when you place faith in Jesus Christ, you are now playing for a new team. The team is Christ. You, you, you represent him in everything you do. And whether you know it or not, you represent God. And so are we a good representation or are we a bad representation? But we're representing him. That's a fact. And so now in your life, does it represent Christ well? Does it carry the name of Christ well? Sometimes we think that in order to do something for God, it has to be at church or overtly spiritual. That we think that if I want to have a relationship with God and if I want to do something for God, it has to be like at church or like overtly spiritual, like praying. Like that is how we bless God. And it's like only singing worship songs. That is how we bless God. Let me tell you, this verse tells us that whatever you do, that's not whatever you do in church. He doesn't say that. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it as unto God. Does it bless God? Does it glorify God? Does it represent God? So is it, is it for God? And then secondly, how we do it under, unto God, is it for the good of others? Is it for God? And is it for the good of others? The whole section of scripture leading up to this final verse in 17 gives us characteristics that we are to carry, and most of them deal with how we interact and treat other people. Go back to verse 12. It says this, have compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And 
If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. He says, kindness, meekness, patience, bear with one another, forgive one another. All of this deals with how your actions directly impact the people around you and how you treat the people around you. One of the ways you do all things as unto God is that your actions is a blessing and an encouragement and uplifting to the people around you. Sometimes we like, we walk all over people thinking that we're glorifying God. Like I can't, be, I, I'm too busy doing the Lord's work. I'm too busy being a good Christian person. And we, we ignore people, we're rude to people, we step on people. And what we have to understand is one of the ways that you glorify God with your life is by being kind to the people around you. So he says, is it glorifying God? Is it unto God? Is it for God? And is it for the good of others? And if your motivation behind what you do only positively impacts you, or you can only see how it impacts you, then you need to do a deep dive into your motives. If what you're doing, if, if you can only see how, okay, this is, I'm gonna do this because it's gonna make me a lot of money. I'm gonna do this because it's gonna make me happy and make me famous. I'm gonna do this because I feel like doing it. This is, my, this is why I'm here, because I wanna be happy. And what we need to do is, if that is our motivation, we need to dig deep and say, okay, how is my actions and my decisions and the goals that I have for my life, how is it gonna positively impact people around me. Does that make sense? You with me? You with me up on the balcony? You guys are here? Man, thanks for being here. I love you guys. I never give you any love. Thank you guys. Okay, so, so we have to do it as unto God. So how do we know if what we're doing is unto God or not? How do we know? It's a great question, I think. So we, we want to do things as unto God. We want to do it for God, and we want to do it for the good of others. So how do we know then if what we're doing is for God and is for the good of others? Two things the Apostle Paul tells us, and we'll be done. Number one, he says, you will have peace. You will have peace. Look what he says again in verse 15. He says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let or allow the peace of Christ to rule in your hearts. You will have peace about what you're doing. When you're doing things unto God, you will have peace about what you're doing. Have you ever done something and you knew whether it was from a feeling inside or from the words of people around you that what you were doing was 100% wrong? You're like, I should not be doing this as you proceed to continue doing it, right? Like, you know, I I should not be here. I'm continuing here. I should not be here, right? Like, we know 100%, like, I'm not supposed to be here. Can I tell you that oftentimes, if not all the time, when you're doing what God wants you to do, in the same extreme way that you know I should not be here, there is a confidence and there is a peace and there is security saying I should be here. When you're doing things as unto, unto God, and we're saying my life and my decisions and my dreams and my actions are unto God, you will have a peace. Peace is rest. Peace is confidence. Peace is security. 
peace is also open doors. What I mean by open doors, you'll hear this language a lot in church, but we pray for open doors. In other words, an easy access into the things and into the direction that I feel like God is leading me to. So like an open door is, is I got into this school, I didn't get into that school, right? Open door. An open door is, is I didn't get that job, I got this job. Right? There, there's, or open door is, I didn't get either of those jobs. That means there's going to be something else. Open door is one of the ways God brings us peace. And listen, listen, when you're doing the things that God wants you to do, you'll have peace. Now, peace is sometimes a feeling. Sometimes peace is like, I just, I sense it. I, the, the Bible talks about peace that surpasses understanding. And so it's a feeling that doesn't make any sense. Sometimes peace is like that. But sometimes peace is not feeling. Sometimes it's peace is, is actually what's happening regardless of how we're feeling. And so what we need to understand is that when you are stepping into the things that God wants you to be doing, you will experience a peace. Now notice it says, let the peace of Christ rule. That's an important word. Because what that tells me, that word let, or you could say allow the peace of Christ to rule, what that tells me is that the peace of Christ wants to rule your heart. God wants to give you peace. We have to let him. We have to allow him. We have to open the door figuratively of our heart and say, Christ, you can rule my heart. Listen, but the peace is a byproduct of living in relationship with God. The peace of Christ will rule our hearts when Christ rules our lives. The peace of Christ, the, the peace of Christ is not the end. The peace of Christ is the byproduct of relationship with him. So if you have relationship with God and you're investing in him and you're, you're, you're loving him and you're doing what he wants you to do, peace is a byproduct. Peace is not the end. God didn't save us to bring us peace. You tracking with me? Peace is not what we're after. Jesus is who we're after. And peace is a byproduct of having relationship with Jesus. And so our pursuit then is him. Our pursuit is not peace. And let me tell you, to a generation that is more anxious and more overwhelmed and more worried than any generation ever before, can I tell you that peace is not the goal. Jesus is the goal. And peace is a byproduct of relationship with Jesus. And so our pursuit and our goal is to allow the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts. All right, final thing. Not only will you have peace when you're doing things unto God, you will also have confirmation. You'll have confirmation. All right, look at um, verse 16. He says this, let, that's the same word, allow, choose, open the door, allow the word of Christ to dwell in you richly. Listen, the word of God will be our confirmation so we can be confident in what we're doing. The word of God will be confirmation so we can have confidence in what we're doing. Sometimes we don't know what to do or if what we're doing is right because we don't have that confirmation. God's word will direct our lives and confirm the direction of our lives. 
Psalm 119.105, this is an amazing verse. It's one that we should all have memorized. It says this, your word, talking about the word of God, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word, God's word, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The idea is both to see what's right in front of you, a lamp to my feet so I don't trip on anything right. At, like, you know, when you get up in the middle of the night and have to go to the bathroom and you forgot to move that one pillow or you left that pile of clothes and you can't see because you don't want to wake up so you leave the lights on or like you have a little sibling and they have Legos or whatever it is and you walk through and a lamp to your feet allows you to see what's right in front of you. You're like, I'm not going to trip over the pile of clothes or I'm not going to step on the Lego because there's a lamp to my feet. I can see what's right in front of me. But then a light to my path allows me to see down the way. And it says the word of God is both going to direct you with what's right in front of you and long term down the way. And God's word will be that direction and that confirmation for your life. And God's word will do this a couple ways. One, uh, his word will direct us and confirm things in us when what we are doing is not directly spoken against in Scripture. Okay, so God's word will confirm things in our life when what we're doing is not directly spoken against in scripture. Listen to me, this is key. Focus here for a moment. Sometimes we're asking for peace and confirmation in an area that God has already said no to. But if you're looking in God's word and you're asking God to direct you and the Bible doesn't specifically or generally say no to what you're trying to do, continue to move forward. Sometimes, like, the Bible is, like, very clear. It's like, don't do that. And we're like, God, I want peace while I'm doing this. And God's like, well, you're not going to get peace. That's not an open door. That's not what I want you to do. God, what do you want me to do? Well, let me tell you, he doesn't want you to do that. How do I know? Well, his word tells us not to do that. And so sometimes when we're, when we're looking for the direction and the purpose, we need to start by looking at what God has said yes to and what God has said no to. And then secondly, what we are doing is confirmed in God's word. Worship team, you guys can come up here. I'm closing with this thought. The word of God is confirmation for us with what he wants us to do because the word of God sort of acts as a receipt that will prove to us that what we are doing is blessed by God. Okay, the word of God acts as a receipt. Okay, so yesterday I was... Well, yesterday, two days ago, Connor, when was this? When we went to Walgreens. Is that yesterday? Yesterday, yeah. So yesterday, we, went, we spent some time at Walgreens. The reason for that was because we ordered a poster that was, we designed that was going to be for an announcement that's happening some point at the church very soon. So we sent the poster. Like, we went over there. Connor picked it up. He brought it back, and it was like, totally messed up. It looked like they printed half of it and then got bored and then just smudged the rest of it. We're like, yeah, we're done with this and just messed the whole thing up. And we're like, well, that's not right. So we went back over to Walgreens. I went inside and I brought it in. I was like, hey, this is not what I ordered. And she's like, that's what you ordered. And I'm like, let me tell you, this is not what I ordered. Why would I order this? She's like, no, that's what you ordered. And I'm like, listen, like I was literally like, no, you're not understanding. This is not what I ordered. And so what I did is I pulled up on my phone the receipt, and on the receipt had the photo that I uploaded. And I pulled up the photo that I uploaded, and I said, this is what I ordered. That's not what I ordered. And she's like, ah, okay, I see it now. God, that's not what you ordered. I'm like, yes, not what I ordered. 
So because of the receipt, because of the confirmation, I was able to get reimbursed. I was then able to spend the next 15 minutes in the Walgreens with, actually it was more like 20 minutes or 30 minutes, felt like forever, trying to get it to re-upload, but they had no Wi-Fi in there and the service was terrible. So then I finally, I'm like, I'm not going to do this here anymore. And I left and I finished it here. So there's my story. Um, and then I never went and picked up the posters. It's there. Hopefully it got right. I don't know. I gave up on it. Whatever. The point is, the receipt was then the confirmation that allowed me to get what I ultimately wanted to get. You tracking with me? The word of God is the confirmation or the receipt that allows us to understand and know that what we're doing is what God wants us to be doing. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Because the word of God, when it's dwelling in your heart, when you know the word of God and you're allowing it to impact your life, you're going to be able to look and go, okay, this is what I think I want to do. This is the direction I think I want to go in. This is where I think my life is headed. And then we go, okay, God's word, does it confirm or does it contradict the desire of my heart? So, okay, open up God's word or I have it implanted in my heart because I'm in church and I'm reading it. I'm doing, a, I'm doing a Bible plan and I'm reading through the Bible and I'm getting it in my heart. I'm letting it rule in my heart. And then I'm going, okay, God, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to go. Does God's word confirm the direction or does it contradict the direction? And let me tell you, if the word of God contradicts or is opposed to the direction that you're trying to go in, the word of God's not wrong, you're wrong. Okay? The word, it's not like, oh, the Bible's so old, it doesn't get it. It doesn't understand what I want. It doesn't, it's 2021, like this is what I want, this is what I'm going to do, this is where I'm going to go. The Bible needs to get with it. Where's the updated version? Like where's the 2021 version of the Bible? I don't like this one. No, no, no. The word of God's not wrong, we're wrong. And so what we have to do is then change where we're going, change our direction, change our motives to then align because we want the word of God to confirm our life. Because listen, the Bible tells us when God is for you, nothing can stand against you. That goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. You will be blessed. You will be the head and not the tail. You will go in the direction God wants you and all of the favor of heaven will be on your side. But when the Bible contradicts your decisions and when the Bible is opposed to your decisions, you have all of the, the, the forces of heaven then going against you. You see what I'm saying? God wants, is for you. He is for you. But he says, here's the direction I want you to go in. And so we allow God's word to confirm what God has placed inside of us. So the question then is, is well, what, what, what am I going to do with my life? Who am I? What's my design? What's my purpose? Let me tell you, do whatever you want. But here's the thing. Do it as unto God. Do it allowing the peace of Christ to rule your hearts. Do it allowing the word of God to dwell in you richly. And then listen to me, what you want to do is going to be what God wants you to do. Because when you have relationship with God, you're, I don't want to do whatever I want. I want to do what God wants me to do. So now what I want to do, my desire, my ambition, my dreams, my goals is then aligned and in line with what God wants me to do. So I have freedom to do whatever I want because I know what I want is going to please God. You tracking? It's not about doing what I want to do. 
It's about what, doing what God wants me to do and owning it and claiming it and saying, this is the life that I want. This is the direction that I want. This is the hope that I have.